Hello, welcome to Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast, and this is one of the last episodes. There is uh, a couple more after this one. Not the last one, that, one's, that one has been recorded already. Uh, but, uh, 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 yeah, so this is Jules and Jim. I put it on the list because uh, I realized, oh yeah, that's a Truffaut movie. And I have, I've had that on my Netflix DVD list for seven years, I think. Maybe eight years. And this was also an excuse to be like, okay, I can finally take it off that list. And, uh, yeah, so uh, J-Dog is, is back. I better be. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting paid for my appearances. Where did, where did you go, J-Dog? I, I just, uh, you know, had to go places i was probably like watching some anime that i've seen 14 times <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah oh uh did you watch the uh the well, i'll get back to the to the guest at after this did you watch the other movie that uh megan sunday picked as the redo episode i did not no i'm curious what you'll think of it okay I'll watch it. Uh, it's a very Megan Sunday type of movie. Unfortunately, I don't know what that no, it means yet. But uh, based on the description, it sounded like something that uh, that director, whose name I'm forgetting, would do. Uh, never mind. I don't know. I know. It, yeah, yeah, it's if you hate Amelie, I think you would like this movie. Actually, <laughs> that she uh, picked. But, I don't uh, hate Amelie. Well, Megan kind of hates Amelie, so that's part of why she loves it. It's a f- fun episode. It'll yes. be out, I think, before this comes out. Anyway, so yeah, uh, this is the fifth and final appearance of the Grumpire Crew on this seat on this episode. Uh, LB and Old Man Andrew. <laughs> 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 I'm old. Man, that was for you. <laughs> uh, st- I'm not exactly a spring chicken, but you're younger than Andrew. Yeah. 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 You know, I know, I don't do this with Bradley. I don't know why I do that, do this with you. <laughs> <laughs> Bradley's like 12 years older than Andrew, even. Uh, I don't think he's that older. Maybe not. He's, he's like. Under a decade older, but older. He's, he's closer to my parents than uh, every other guest we've had. <laughs> and I'm younger than that, yeah. so. Yeah, so, uh, t- uh, LB, Andrew, you guys saw the list. Uh, I don't know who picked it, but one of you two picked this movie. This is kind of... LB did. Well, LB. <laughs> this is kind of yeah. a normal movie, based off your track record. Yeah. Um, well, I picked this movie because, again, I've never seen it. So I wanted to see it. And uh, now I've seen it. <laughs> Period. Um, y- yeah. Uh, wow. I, I, I don't, yeah, there's really no reason why I picked this movie. It was like one of the ones that was left. Um, everyone's like in shock and horror right now of me like not having a real reason why I picked this amazing Truffaut movie but um, yeah it was it's my fault Andrew (laughs) 
Yeah, I know. Uh, I had a problem because I'm dyslexic and the dialogue goes by so fast um, reading the subtitles and I don't know enough French to follow just by listening. So I had a problem. So I read the synopsis and then, well, not even the synopsis. It's pretty much the entire film. I read that uh, and then continued watching the movie and followed along just fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's so... Uh, it helped to do that, though. Yeah. Uh, J Dog, did you like this movie? How did this compare to other Truffauts we've talked about previously? I I did like the movie, but it felt really um. It felt kind of generic in a way. Like I kind of knew the way the relationship was, and maybe that's the not even the point about it. You know, it's just telling a tale. And I mean, uh, shoot the piano player. The film is also extremely generic. No, I I disagree with that because shoot the piano player at least has some does a little things with like timelines and uh, you know, trying to find the motivation behind characters' actions being revealed. I mean, like, but it's also like a generic crime plot. You know, pretty much the whole movie pretty quickly. At least I, I we think can ag- I, we can agree to disagree. I don't know what you're talking about. You're okay. Just, you know, you know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like I and I'm thinking the only reason why I think it's kind of predictable is because this probably was like one that inspired the next sixty type movies like that. Yeah. It fits in nicely with any historical drama. I came back from the war and things are different kind of thing. But it's, uh, well, I don't know. The the way the beginning starts off almost like a silly comedy going by and then how we just slowly see their characters shift into this other thing. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's not my favorite Truffaut by a long shot. Soft Skin is by far the best one we've covered. Uh, yeah, uh, If you listen to the episode on Soft Skin, I'm not too high on it at the time, but it's taken a while and the more, more distance I have and more like, oh, actually, that movie's brilliant. It's just like kind of quietly uh, dull, which is kind of but still on purpose. In certain certain ways, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, LB Andrew, uh, mm-hmm. have you seen? Have you guys seen? I don't think I talked about this in other episodes. What's your history of French New Wave? Uh, we have a handful, um, but I'm not versed in it at all. the The French um, stuff that I was really uh, aware of started in the 80s do look period hmm. into the 90s uh when after the 90s that became very influential on action movies of all things like transporter and stuff like that was all like um post do look but totally looks like do look but applied to action so like um luke besson's work is do look um uh that movie mauvais son is a do look film Betty Blue, which actually seems very influenced by this movie. 
is a do-look film, which means uh, these commercial directors got together and said, let's make movies that look as beautiful as our commercial. And there you go. Um, so that's my French history. And then LB started getting these criterions. And then that's whatever you've got, LB. Is which what is I... not many at all. Like, I, yeah, I'm also not very... Uh, well-versed in French New Wave. Um, like, I know of it as a thing. I know of it as, like, something to parody. You know, like, I... Do you remember Taron Killam on Saturday Night Live, like, ten years ago? He, they did that funny skit where they're dancing in the cafe. Like, um, that's pretty much, like, when I think of French New Wave, I think of things that are parody. it. So, like, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of strange. Um, Fahrenheit... Fahrenheit 451. That's like the only true foe I've seen. Uh, but um, it, to to further what Andrew said, or or uh, the influence of French New Wave is something that I'm much more aware of. And as I do like fill in some gaps, like uh, that it really occurs to me like as I'm watching the older films I'm like oh wow yes this is like better Betty Blue or like you know you can just you can see the influence and maybe I'm you know stating the obvious there or just like you know well duh LB but <laughs> like it's it's kind of more fun doing it backwards I think yeah uh to further that you what was uh, was um, Band Apart the one with the dancing? Yeah. Okay, so Band Apart influenced Hal Hartley's my favorite um, Hal Hartley movie, uh, Simple Men. The scene with the uh, Sonic Youth playing where they're dancing in the bowling alley. Is that part of the uh, that part on Long Island trilogy? Yeah. Yeah, it's the first part, I think. Um, and it, there's, it's just this incredible scene where now that I have seen Band Apart and the cafe scene, I'm like, oh, he's just echoing or throwing back a, a rhyme back to that old film. It seems directly influenced by it. So it's my favorite dance scene in a movie is the Hal Hartley scene. So, anyway. Right, and it's more like a an homage than yeah. a, than a ripoff. Right. Which is cool. Yep. Uh, what's your guys' opinion, uh, Joel? You too. I can't remember what you said last time this came up. Of Truffaut and third, and the Close Encounters of a Third Kind, as a NASA guy. Who's gonna answer? <laughs> I mean, I already gave my answer last time you asked this, so it might be I in the last episode. I'm not sure. I can't, I can't remember. The shoot the piano player episode. Anyways, I I like his appearance. I like how how cold he is and yet seems very interested in what's going on in the movie like i don't know it's difficult to judge a one-time performance by a, a director that you know I, I yeah anyways i like it okay yeah i i don't really remember him in it or not in it i do like the film okay i've heard detractions against the film but uh, like John Carpenter hates it. Weird. What um, the hell is that guy know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he knows video games. He thinks the film is incredibly self-indulgent, um, and it might be. I want to. I want to hear but his take anyway. on 1941. 
God. <laughs> that that would be good. Well, I I like that movie and uh, yeah, um, Ricky, whatever. I I want to that I now that's what I want to ask about. <laughs> it's like, what does he mean by self indulgent? Does he mean that Steven Spielberg is self indulgent? Yeah. Well, okay. Don't don't quote me. Everybody has heard me say that. I might have had that quote wrong, but he doesn't like it. Yeah, that's I that's what I want to get into. Like so. If if he feels like it's self indulgent, it's because he has he's trying to determine what the director's intention was with the movie, which is kind of not the way art should be seen, in my opinion. Like it's more about your interpretation of what's going on than it is about the artist's intention. Got news for you, sir. John Carpenter's a human. What? Being. Yeah, he's not a robot. And not God. Well, I thought he was God, at least. Believe I believe in God. So, yeah. No. Okay. No, he's human. Yeah. He's, he's like you RJC, or me. So you know. he's. Oh, oh. You're right. Wow. You're right. Maybe. Down with JC. All right. This this podcast wow, maybe. has changed. It's a theology yeah, podcast. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> I got that one. Uh, Joel, that's a hip hop reference. You down with OPP? Yeah, no. No, no, it's JC. You down with JC? Yeah, you know me. What in the world? (laughs) What are you talking about? I'm talking about old school hip hop. Yeah, Yeah, so am I. You've probably heard the song and didn't realize it. I, I I know what song you're talking about. I don't remember. A, a, <laughs> you down with no, old no, JC? No, <laughs> like what? <laughs> that's uh, that's a uh, that's the youth group version. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I'm not down with that version of the song. That's okay. I don't think anybody. Now is. I get it. <laughs> hmm. Well, well. Uh, side topic. I know someone who is because I made a mistake of looking up on Facebook some old high school friends and it's like oh they became Christian Christian conservatives uh, which uh, it happens but it's also kind of disheartening the people oh yeah it feels weird too. yeah cause like in high school they were super open minded and like yeah gay people are, are people and now they're like it's an abomination and guns are guns deserve more rights and it's like oh what happened <laughs> I, th- uh, uh, the okay. So, I think I like this movie. Like this movie's like kind of middle in the road, middle of the road, because it's Jules and Jim. I'm talking about because it's it's very much like stereotypical French New Wave, and it's just kind. Isn't the first? It's the first, right? Uh, it depends who you ask. It's okay. one of the. Well, I'm asking you, no. sir. I think the first is Agnes Varda with Lapointe Court in '54, but other people will say mm. it was 400 Blows. Other people will say it's uh, what's the fuck? It's a Claude Chabrol movie from '58. I can't remember the name of it. So like, uh, it really depends who you ask. Some some people say it is Breathless. But yeah, it, it, 
Breathless. Yeah, yeah, the good version of Breathless. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. Uh... <laughs> uh, but the pants, man. Yeah, those are some great pants. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay. <laughs> if here's the thing about the Agnes Varda, the Agnes Varda thing, I can see why people would say that, but it also feels heavily influenced by Italian neorealism going on similar time period. So to call that like the first, I mean, you can call that the first step, the first nudge towards French new wave. And I would get it. And I'm talking like I'm authority. No, I just did a podcast for like a year and a half. So shut your mouth, Joel's wait, 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 question. Uh, Neo-realism Italian. What is that? Give me a popular title. Um, Bicycle Bicycle thieves. thieves. Okay. It's basically non-actors. It's usually depressing. With like kind what, of a what's the what's the one that makes you super sad with the old guy with the dog? Oh, Umberto D. Umberto D. Yeah, that's another great example. Yeah, never again. Never watch that again. It's so so depressing. Yeah, and the the parts in in uh, La Point Court that were like that. Basically, any of the narrative stuff where um, talking about that guy who <laughs> the cops let him participate in the event before he gets arrested and things like that. Um, and then a lot of docu- actual documentary footage of what was going on in the town. And then the French New Wave part comes in with the two lovers where it's a lot of semi-philosophical, not looking at each other. Like the, that's the thing that I feel like people were making fun of, like especially in the 80s where it's like two faces not facing each other. But oh, those commercials. are we going to be the, the same All the commercials way? in the oh, 80s. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, David Lynch did a bunch of those commercials in the mm-hmm. 80s. For mm-hmm. perfumes and stuff like that, um, that were de- directly influenced by those. Uh, um, he... Ben Stiller show, I think, did it. Oh yeah, didn't they, Albie? The the French New Wave thing, where it's it's just um, Bob Odenkirk driving around narrating <laughs> in black and white. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It sounds great. What's wrong? <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, my vote is for something other than that, but okay. I don't know what. Uh, I can't remember the name of the Chabral movie, but uh, yeah. So it, it it's debatable who, like, de- depending on who you ask. I say it's the Chabral movie in '58, but uh, 400 Blows feel- and uh, Breathless are like the ones that actually like made money and critics liked uh, a lot more. Yeah. So like those get talked about a lot more than the other ones. Oh, they made like a splash. I think that's what happened is they made such a huge splash here in the U.S. that all of a sudden it's like, hey, we can make money off of these things too. Kind of. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, okay. So, uh, uh, LB, since you picked um, mm-hmm. this movie, what exactly is Jules and Jim? Oh, it's a story that is. Um... Story. <laughs> it's a love triangle, you know. It's it's uh uh two friends, two two um guy friends um meet a lady who looks like a statue that they like and then um one of them gets involved with her and the other one is is, you know, obviously also in love with her. So they spend their entire lives um trying to figure out who should be with her. One of them marries her. And then um, they have a child and move out to this, like, chalet 
shall it to j- uh, <laughs> sorry there's a uh, there's a gene shallot joke yeah. in there gene yeah. shallot uh, eating shallots at the chalet uh yeah. is yeah, he the yeah, one yeah, with yeah. the mustache yes 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 so it's gene shallots gene chalet it's a place that gene chalet. sells yeah jeans in france um so anyway <laughs> silly it's a riff um, i did last night it's, yeah um then yeah, I mean, um, they just kind of, it's it's less sexy than you might think. Like, it's not like, oh, oh here's, a, here's a love triangle type of thing going on where they just share her back and forth. No, it's not that. It is like a legit love triangle. And um, I would say this is a very early, very, very early appearance before it actually even existed as a concept of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I was going to bring that up early. That's in my notes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? Because yeah. <laughs> she's she's quirky, right? She's weird and quirky. She, she, she shows up, she draws a, a mustache yeah, on her face. Yeah, she pretends to be a, um, a, a character named Thomas yeah. where they, when they hang out. And she makes um, a, a very crazy. attractive man. I, yes. I was into it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, she sings. That's that's attractive. She jumps in a river sometimes um, out of nowhere. Yeah. She's spontaneous. She makes you feel good about yourself. Only thing missing is a ukulele. And then makes you feel bad. <laughs> makes you feel bad about yourself too. If, if yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't. Is that sufficient of a plot? Um. Yeah. Sounds well. Good well. Uh, there's there's some spoilery areas that you didn't yeah. get into. So how deep are we getting? No, no, that was fine. Yeah, that's fine. All right. You guys talk after I uh, go get do something. Okay, Joel, I like how you mentioned earlier about it starting off as this kind of uh, light. I don't know. I won't. I won't say lighthearted, but kind of a joyous comedy, and then it like moves into tragedy. Yeah. Areas. Um. The whole way it's narrated, like in the beginning, reminded yeah. me so much of freaking Woody Allen movies I've seen, where he's just got that guy <laughs> who pops in every once in a while. It's like, and then Harry really had to think about what he'd done, and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that jackass. Anyways, <laughs> so so that reminds me of though uh, two things. So the French is the Amelie connection, where the whole beginning narration and some other moments. There's narration that sets up everything. That's what happens in this movie, too. So that's a great influence. Then there's also the Wes Anderson narrations. Okay, Yes, I, that's good. That's whenever. a good one, too. Yeah, I'm back. So the Wes Anderson narrations seem to be also directly influenced by this sort of thing. Uh, do you guys know who did the narration in this? I do not. No. Michael Subar. Who was, who was in Botrevi, White Material, and he showed up. Basically, he he came out of retirement as an older man just to be in Clear Denny movies. Hmm. He's the 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 older guy in White Material, Joel. Do you remember the dad figure? Yes. Yep. Not um Christoph Lambert, the other older guy. Well, you said the older guy, Christopher uh, Chris Lambert. Just he looks as stellar as he usually does, so I didn't know what you were talking about. Okay. 
I'm just kidding. It looks like a mess. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I do really like the narration in this film. Like, uh, a lot of people have problems with narrations, right? Like, they make them feel stupid or something. But they say. In a picture like this, it really works. I I think think they say. uh, (laughs) Narration in screenplays, if you rely on narration, you're telling instead of showing. And that means you're being lazy. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do think that sometimes a narrator or, or narration can tend to be uh, an author falling in love with their own voice, and it can be a bit too much for the audience. So it needs to be pared down. It needs to be only done sporadically if it's going to be done. And a narrate like for something like this that's very character based and feels like a novel, like a big thing with. Truffaut is everything. Like a lot of his movies feel like novels, and he basically should have been writing books instead of making movies after a certain point, in my opinion. Because like everything, Jules and uh, Jules and Jim is a novel, right? He, it might be, but he, he also adapted a lot of novels and stuff. Yeah, and, like Fahrenheit Four Fifty One. Um, the the Bride Wore Black, which is and uh, Fra- Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, that oh wait. Yeah, don't read Bright. Uh, well, maybe read Bride or Black. It's not a great book, but has some good moments. It is Jules et Jim by Henri Pierre Rocher. Jim. Jim, sorry. Jim. Sorry, I put the D. In front <laughs> you of it, yeah, you but right? you said it. Put the D in front of it. Jim. Mm. Uh, yes. Jules et Jim. Got to say American Jim. That's how they say Jim. <laughs> but like this is. I'm terrible at pronouncing French. Oh, uh, <laughs> hey Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> Tell her about you how you feel about pronouncing French. It's a bullshit language. Okay. Oh, it's it's it a is. beautiful no, language. It, I love it. it. It's, it's, it's bullshit. Anyway. And I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> I like learning it, but at the same time I'm like, I fucking hate this. It's a weird that's a weird relationship I have with it. it, it I can't I can't stop with Duolingo. And just to balance the scales here, English is also a stupid language. Just you know, English yeah. is the stupidest <laughs> language because it's all of the languages, it really is. except for Esperanto, which is like a hacked version of English. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I say Latin. Ooh, have you guys ever tried learning Russian? Oh yeah, that's a, that's the yeah. worst. No. Sorry, Russian grammar makes no fucking sense. It's just the most illogical, most, uh, like, I don't understand how it formed to be the way it is. It's just so overly complicated to remember all the grammar rules. Huh. Wow. Yeah. They got funny looking letters. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they look cool, but don't try learning it. It's just like, I- I've tried several times. It's just like every time, like, Ugh, I remember why I quit the why I quit why I quit doing this before. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough l- elasticity in your noggin. That's where I am. Yeah. yeah but yeah, but like the, but like a lot of stuff just feels very like, like he has an understanding of because he wrote his own screenplays usually too. This understanding of like how something how. To have like a novelistic uh, flow to it, compared to like other, like 
like like Agnes Varda made like you know art movies, and like uh, uh, Godard did his whole Godard thing, and like mm. uh, like Jacques Rivette was doing like kind of experimental theater stuff to and among other things, and like Truffaut stuff just feels like it feels like I don't say literary because that's too uh, too academic of a word, but it, it does feel like you know like this. It, even with stuff that's not based off off books, it's like it feels like this could have been a book. It makes you uh, enjoy watching it. I think, like uh, you, you guys mentioned that you think that this is a generic story or a generic movie, and yeah, it is. But um, part of that is that it can touch people because it's generic. So, like you know. There's no real alienation when you're watching this. Like, everyone can relate to this type of story. Everyone's been in love. Everyone's have a best friend. Like, some of us have been in love with the same person as your best friend. You know, so um, it's it's okay that it's generic because, like, <laughs> it, it gives it purpose. You know, but, like, but is it generic because it's generic or is it generic because it's informed so many other things that have made it such a common template right. and not, it, it, yeah and not even that like by saying that the story is generic like the, it almost feels like the story is the least important part of the movie and that that happens with movies all the time like it, people go in and focus too much on a story <laughs> French New Wave for instance like how often do you get a straightforward story and right. it's either upset or you know I knew what was going to happen or something like that. So so when I say it's generic, I'm not. I hope it doesn't seem like I'm being like, and that's a bad thing. Like I like generic television. I like generic video games. It comes down to all kinds of different things. It's just like it, you know, it's like comes down to the whole genre thing of like there's the certain story things and character tra- character types you know, depending on who you are that you like. And you just like seeing that type of story in those characters. And like and this is like, you know, a generic like French romantic movie. And it's like if you if you know, and, and this you know, and like it's like the story doesn't matter here. It's just about the characters and the emotion of the characters. Hmm. Right. That's hard though. That's that's difficult for me to do. Uh, to to engage with if it's not about the logic of the story and and where that goes, uh, if I just have to pay attention to the emotions of the characters and if things don't make sense, otherwise, that's a challenge. Mm. Yeah, as I'm getting older, like I I tend to want to have. Um, something I can latch on to like as far as like story or plot goes like I totally can appreciate like that art doesn't have to have plot like you can just you know watch um, I don't know Jodorowsky and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and like you know like you can take this in visually and you can experience it and like that is your emotion and that is your connection to it um, but I kind of feel like I don't really have time for that anymore. And, you know, like I compare, while I was watching Jules and Jim, I was comparing it in my head to something like Breathless, where Breathless to me is boring. 
it's it's really boring because it's just like not really much happens it's just them just kind of hanging out they they meet each other and they they hang out um whereas this film things happen things that you can really follow along and it's like less realistic and more like it hits that uh that um that part of your brain where you you feel like you're you're being pulled into a story so i've i find it more interesting to watch these days anyway so i i really that's part of the reason why i really enjoyed this film is because i wasn't expecting it to be like that i was really expecting it just to be like meandering and and uh just that that kind of boring dull existence Hmm. Yeah, I was like overall. I do like this. It sounds like I don't like it, but it's just, it's just <laughs> like I've at, at by this point, I've we've seen so many of these, of these tropes, and like I and I and and whatnot. And I'm at, I'm at the point of like, I don't know. It's just I, I have things to say, but at the same time, it's like yeah, I've I've, we've discussed this type of thing before. Another thing I liked about it is, I think also because I am in my middle age, um, it captures the feeling of knowing that your youth is over and trying to uh, tap back into that that youthful feeling and you just, you're kind of grasping at it at, at some points. Like... You know, w- when they first meet, everything is just so happy, and they're they're running in the forest, and you know, everything's just very very happy. They're carefree; they they have not a care in the world. And then, adulthood happens. The war happens. The, uh, you know, th- they have a child. Like they're forced to be mature, and Catherine especially does not want to uh, let go of her freedom like she goes off for months she she has affairs you know like she she can't really tie herself even though she really loves being a mother she loves her family home like she's constantly trying to recapture her her carefreeness and I that's something that like you know as we get older it's definitely a midlife crisis sort of thing so i i felt kind of right watching this at at this point in my life um not that i want to go off for months or whatever and disappear uh-huh. but uh-huh. <laughs> sure <laughs> uh, but, did, did um, i cause a rift in your eyes marriage <laughs> no, 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 not at all, not at all. But uh, it's it's just very it it's something to think about, really, and try to um, come to terms with it in your own life in your own ways. Yeah, like th- this well, made I, I I find it interest I find it interesting that you say midlife crisis uh, regarding her because it, it seems that after she got married is sh- she just decided she was gonna please herself regardless. And that wasn't in the middle age. It was, so it was way after um, when he comes back, Jim comes back. 
Um, <laughs> well, maybe I'm, maybe I am projecting then. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. I just it, it just seems like she was kind of always that way, and they didn't know what they were getting into when they tried to court her and be her best friend and then her lover and all that. And then no, I don't know. No, no, I get the a slight a slight read I have on it. That's like my feel. Not to disagree. My feeling watching this was just like thinking back to late high school, first time I was in like the first college I went to, right after high school, and it's like, oh yeah, you you have no responsibility. Cut to now, all my friends are like over thirty. Most of them are married and have kids and like have like corporate office jobs and like live in the suburbs, and it's like, what happened to to everyone? (laughs) Like we used to like now we're just adults. Yeah. Take on those roles, I didn't, right? I didn't sell out, son. I bought in. <laughs> <laughs> to paraphrase SLC. Yeah, Paul. like, like, just, like, like, I think the, the, uh, the like, a few hours before I watched it, some of my friends from college who, uh, who first met in college and they're still together now, over ten years later, and they just announced, oh, we're having our second kid. And it's like, wait, it, it's like it's been that long, like. It's been over, like, they've been together for over a decade, and they're already going to have, like, multiple children. Like, I remember when we, when we used to get, like, get stoned all the time and, like, play video games all day. It's like, oh, we're, <laughs> like, we're, we're adults. We're, we have different lives now. Yeah, it's kind of difficult sometimes to, to wrap your head around. Yeah. My, see, uh, you guys are talking about midlife crisis or not middle crisis and in, in my interpretation of uh her character was that she wasn't the person right she she never was basically saying what you were saying um that this is she was always the wild one who wanted to keep busy doing things and seeing people and places and and stuff like that but but there's multiple times where Jim's and Jules are talking about different women and, you know, and even her, they say, you know, she'll make a good wife. And that's kind of like the end of it. And when they talk to each other about her in the, you know, when she's in the same room, they're not even including in the, her conversation. It's like, this is going to happen. That's when she starts to get that, like, look in her eye, like, I need to go do something immediately. their strict idea of what someone they're in love with is eventually going to do is like a cage a cage that she wants to be comfortable with because she wants to make people that she loves happy but she also can't control herself that way Hmm. in conclusion (laughs) well well lb at one point exclaimed uh well, I don't want to say it. Um, was it something racist? It's, you know, something no. I might have to... <laughs> against French. Something uh, I might have to edit out. Well, from <laughs> me, I mean, it, it'll sound somewhat sexist um, if I say it. Um, but she, <laughs> psycho, LB. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't remember. What did I say? Uh, okay, do it. Text you have... me. Text uh, me right uh, now. Okay. I'll, I'll... So I might have to edit this out. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you should edit it out. <laughs> Seriously. Or no, not 
Not that word, but. Oh. Oh, I well, I don't rem I kind of remember saying that, where I was like, I, I actually said bitches are psycho. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> I don't know if you want to. You, you can. Yeah, I don't think that's that um, that big of a thing to say. If yeah. I said it, I mean, people. Uh, there's enough oh, people think, out there that I hate I me that are. Oh, I know. Na naturally, if you said it, it. right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So LB. Bitches be crazy or and there, is what yeah. there's a different way, you know, you can say the same thing with different kinds of words and make it less of a... I wanted to quote okay. it, but then I can't, if it's me. Oh. <laughs> yes. So anyway, that, that concept that you were saying, LB, um, mm -hmm. that puts... Because you have a tug-of-war here, because you've got a, a, some of the responsibility on the men and their, their um, perspective. I figured this was going to come up. The men's perspective, does it cause her in the ultimate uh, end of the film to do what she did? And, you know, does it does it cause that? Because she is a person of her own agency still. And she does seem to want Jim enough so that she makes it so nobody can ever have him ever again. You yes, know? that that yeah. seems to be the situation. So that seems in line with your comment that uh, of Psycho. <laughs> well, that's not exactly. I mean, seeing the movie back in the '60s and up until I'd say uh, maybe the mid 2000s, that that would be an interpretation that anyone could agree with, but. I think uh, with mental health awareness and stuff like that, like when I empathize with her character, I just I just think about the fact that I have impulse control issues because of my ADHD and things like that. You know, I've never threatened anybody with a gun because that's not the kind of crazy I have. But I certainly have. You know, if you're like in a room with people you're supposed to know, trust, and all of a sudden you feel like you need to get the hell out of there, and so you do. And people would be like, what's going on with that person? Like, I don't know. It's just my, hmm. my, the way I'm relating to the character. No, I get it then. Yeah. Um, hmm. So it doesn't then, uh, as your earlier comment was like how the guys respond to her and other women. It, that doesn't play into her um, behavior later really except for that she sees it the cage that she wants to be in that she can't be in type of basically thing. i feel like i mean like in, in as much as anything that was influencing her actions in life then like we we saw in the beginning that she was already a little wild you know that was supposed to be oh my gosh she put on a mustache pretending to be a man <laughs> that's crazy uh, <laughs> and i mean just just I'm imagining, once again, myself and how many masks I have to wear to participate in the regular world. And, like, if I didn't have medication, if I didn't have a therapist, I would probably be in a much worse state than I am right now. Hmm. And, hey, like, you've been Iowa and stuff, Utah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Living in the corn. What? Uh, so, 
What was I even getting at? What, uh, like, besi besides the way the men are talking about her and the fact that she's trying to fit into a, the domestic world and everything like that, for some reason, uh, Jules seems to favor places that are just, like, not near anybody else. So you get with that isolation. Uh, yeah, the Black Forest. Yeah. yeah uh, Black Forest ham. Delicious. Yeah. Oh, I just realized... That's what we had for lunch. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, th I think I just realized why I like... Uh, like, the age, youth... Like, youth angle hit me so hard. The, uh, Jules looks like one of my friends from college. Uh, not, not, like, not, like, not, like, enough where it's like... Oh, maybe I should, like, talk to this person again. Like, see if that's the other doing. Like, that... Yeah, so, like... Yeah. Just, like, the time, like, the visual of, like you know, uh, time passing. Yeah. The only way you could tell time passed with that guy is that the people around him don't have mustaches. Otherwise, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, come, uh, well, well J-Dog, compared to other, like, French New Wave men, how do you, like, do you think these guys are, like, Miller Road, do you think they're they're good? Do you think they're bad? Like, where? Because like shitty men seems to be like <laughs> slash mediocre men is like a common theme. Like, and these guys don't seem as mediocre or as shitty as like some. They seem like middle of the road for what right. we've covered so far. Yeah, I think so. Like, uh, just just guys. <laughs> they're just guys. Uh, they're yeah. kind of playboys, but they're not like cats and they they kind of explain you know. away why jules is the way you know he's so much more uh, docile shy than jim is jim is a is france you know he grew up that way he grew up with those influences but he's uh jules is from germany and in germany people are much nicer no i don't know well, about germany, that. Uh, uh, austria oh austria. is he austria austrian he, yes ah. austria is oh. but he speaks german well, yeah, Austria speaks Germany. Yeah. German, excuse me. Yeah, uh, I don't know if Austria is like this, but in Germany, like the <clears throat> being uh, like the common, like the uh, everyday, like common courtesy thing is supposed to be very blunt with people. Uh, I'm half German. Mm -hmm. The other half of me is robot. I'm half German, and the whole concept of humor is. is is only like a modern thing, like a real modern thing. Mm. Um, put it this way, uh, 1988, Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out. My aunt, who is an elderly woman now, uh, middle age then, was like, I don't get it. I just don't, it's not, no, there's nothing funny about it. But of course, in hard German. So like, that also could have just been my massively traumatized uh, kinfolk because uh, there's bad history there with their parents but it also could just be German culture of that generation just wasn't into humor and this was she would have been she would have been a young approaching teens when this movie came out no oh. I was gonna say like with the whole German Germany thing like uh, this watch Rainer Werner Fassbender movies just to be, see like 
how people react were respond to like oh my parents were nazis which is kind of like a big theme of those movies and kind of dealing with the yeah. stress of like what do you do with the fact knowing your parents kind of just let hitler happen yeah yeah so there there's that history there so uh humor it's like i said it's a more modern thing than back then in German, so that's why he's low key because he had to fight um, against the, the French. Um, he went off to Austria and fought against the French in World War and I. Russians too. Yeah, and they kept their heads down and they came back alive and they're still friends, which is great. That's fortunate, but both constantly worried that they might end up accidentally killing the other. Like that's yeah. that's holding on to a friendship in the middle of a war like that like it's uh, amazing yeah. i do like that they taught each other their languages yeah that's really cool and i like that they i uh, wish it was that easy did whatever french version of boxing where you can kick each other's shins i don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the gym was hilarious was martial arts yeah I really like the love letters that Jules sent to Catherine while he was away at the war and during that part, I was I turned to Andrew and I was like, "Why don't you ever write me love letters from the war?" Ah, uh, what is love? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me, no more. Yes. We prepared that bit for you guys. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. I like it. <laughs> uh, seven out, seven out of ten. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I did I, really like that, though. Like, <sighs> that is a thing that doesn't really happen anymore. Well, you see, they they make that commentary on it afterwards when Albert gets tied up in this whole thing, being the the new person trying to make Jim realize yeah. the wrong he committed, and you know, talking about in that context of once again how a woman would feel about a man's sacrifice or something like that basically because you know when it all comes down to it he's like you know she was at that point was like enough of these letters like like you're never gonna show up i don't, I don't know what's going on and it's like next time you know, uh, don't you shouldn't write letters like that to me, uh, like because I could, I could die. And guess what? He died. So, like, what is the conclusion here? What What are you What are you talking about? I don't know. Get, because the, when you see Jules writing those letters in the trenches, like, you know, at least based on the way that we know his character, that these are like his legitimate feelings and. It may have a little bit to do with the fact that he could die, but mostly it's he's been in love with that woman for for a while. Mm-hmm. He put a baby in her. Do you guys think it's his child, or do you think that's just, uh, like a lie that they that they're that they're telling? Hmm. I would say that Sabine is Jules's child. Um, I mean, she, 
she doesn't really look like either of her parents, so it's not like a casting thing <laughs> to say no. <laughs> but um, yeah. they're not a, they're not enough clues otherwise, right? Yeah, there's really. I mean, she she mentions later with with Jim that you know I'm pregnant, but it might not be yours or, or whatever. Or she like threatens him in bed of like I'm gonna go sleep with Albert, and you won't know. If it's your baby, <laughs> um, so I mean, you, you wouldn't put it past her, but I, I don't know. I think she genuinely would have uh, told him if Sabine was not his child. Now I have a question she's about vindictive like that. She's petty like that. Yeah. Yes, I have a question about um, how. The dine, the people, are, just the people are. There's it. It's not just a threesome. It's a foursome. Yeah. Um, when Albert shows up, now I don't know of anywhere where this is quote unquote normal or normalized. Really, not even today, where uh, it's still seen as an outlier. Uh, the the woman who has four dorks at her beck and call and she swaps them out every once in a while and there's always that one lone dork who's like i don't ever get any (laughs) well you got to do the dishes that sort of thing (laughs) but uh, they have that on reality tv it's a freak show sort of situation so this doesn't seem normal at all but these guys are best friends they're such best friends that they sort of like okay well she doesn't like me anymore go ahead uh, you and then Albert shows up, and they're both like, "Who's this Jack and Apes?" But he's just like, "Hey guys, I'm I'm gonna be with your girl." Like he doesn't say hardly anything, but that's his demeanor. I mean, the, he, I mean, so he cuck- all I mean, of he, that he, seems super. He weird. cucks them like with the guitar part. Like that's the most like overtly sexual part, like thing in the whole movie where. Where, where they start playing a song and you realize like you know uh just like how uh like just how connected like albert and uh catherine are and jim and jim jules and jim are kind of you know like clear like clearly like are un- unsettled by it jules at that point so is they're... not surprised by it but, but he's not, yeah, but they're not cool yeah, with He's it. still not happy about it. He's still, like, is this wallowing? I mean, he's not happy about any aspect of the, that relationship at the point where we meet up with him again. Um, that's, that's why, you know, when Jim comes into the relationship and, and eventually he's trying not to be that close to Catherine and... Eventually, you know, he crosses one line and his friend is like, if that's what she wants, then that's what she wants. And I love her. You know, whatever. 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 Remember the, 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 the parcel scene where she ties up her pajamas? Yeah. And then she's like, oh, give me that package. See you guys later. And they're like, oh, she fooled us. Well. Oh shucks! 
That's what it's read I mean, like to me. I don't. Know? I don't think they're like she fooled us. I mean, because the fact that she rips it up and they they mention it, it's like they know something odd is going on. Why would somebody do that? And then yes, she jumps out, and they're like, eh, "Okay, let's leave the car for her." Yeah, <laughs> and Jim is no longer under that spell. Like he still loves her like a friend, and he loves his friend obviously, and he loves their the daughter that they have. It's the, you know, that family dynamic hasn't left for him, but he's no longer going to hurt himself or fall for anything that she's trying to do to get an emotional reaction. <laughs> oh, but he, but he does. He does fall for it. Well, <laughs> big time. That's, I mean, he's. Hey, I've got to tell you something. Let's take a ride. It's way too trusting. Uh, oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> and she's all beaming happy as that happens. It's very strange. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like uh, th there's a similar ending, like similar thing in uh, Soft Skin at the very end. Yeah, that's mm. uh, I'm gonna say it happens, but like this is like this is the first time Truffaut does like a shocking ending where the woman uh, acts out in a violent way. It's kind of a thing he does. Uh, uh, I think the soft skin also based on a book. Uh, I think that's I don't the end is based off a real thing that happened. Okay, but the well, yeah, of course, of course. So is this? <laughs> no, it's not. It's just it it has happened, but I don't know if it's based on any of those. As soon as that car showed up in the movie, though, I was like, oh, that's gonna kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Lo and behold. <laughs> There's that um, brief, like, early stunt driving scene yep. where she's, like, driving around the trees. Like, I enjoyed that. That was before safety regulations whatsoever. Like, how, you know how many people died in those cars? There's not records of it because... <laughs> Speaking of the influence, <laughs> the influence that this movie had, that is really, that really influenced the Transporter movies. That's true. That insane stunt with the car. Both of them. Both stunts. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Really, really irresponsible of that city not to have, you know, a sign. No no cars. Roadblock, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, you mean for the bridge? For yeah. the bridge, yeah. You know what that that part or there was at some point Spencer. Where the movie yeah. was really ringing the old, um, the other Agnes Varda movie that we really liked. Uh, happiness? Happiness, yes. With the, yeah. Where uh, it's just end? like, what? um, uh, not the end, but, well, kind of, yes, kind of the end, but, uh, the part when, before Jim has started sleeping with, uh, I just, there's so many uhs in my thing here today. Because I'm trying to think, and that that's when the us happen. Catherine, right? That's what her name is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Before he slept with Catherine, when they're just living, you know, he's living near her, them, and they're kind of just one big happy family, like frolicking in the the wilderness of where they happen to be living at the moment. Like you could feel, oh, this must be what it feels like to have the good happy life. And happiness has that, the whole 
thing oh, yeah. is like, yeah, it looks looks nice on the outside. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, uh, happiness is just like what what uh, the Varda happiness, not the '90s one. Is this the whole? It's an experiment, and like, <laughs> what if you make a movie look super happy and pleasant, but actually it's a horror movie? Yeah, both happiness in the French one and the one from the other guy have a a, a tiger was. beat scene. Just to put that out there. Tiger beat. Oh wait, that's not the magazine. What is it? Uh, is it Dylan Baker? Yes. Here? Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, Dylan Baker. Who else looks like that? Uh, <laughs> but is Tiger Beat a code word for something? No, it's a magazine full of yeah, yeah, full of children. <laughs> I know. You seen the the happiness from the nineties, right? I have not seen the film. I know of the reputation. Oh. of it. it's hard to it's hard to get a hold of these days. Really? Yeah, well, there's a very good reason why yeah i know nobody I, wants to go near it uh life uh, during wartime is a criterion uh, uh that's a sequel to it but i like that one too yeah i haven't seen happiness since it yeah. came out yeah. so kids is another one i i why well, I, I started it once and i was like i don't i don't i'm not gonna finish this i don't like this <laughs> nope so you're uncomfortable you're saying sure. uh 96 happiness you haven't finished now, happiness is great like that one is tolerable but kids is like the way it opens up is just like i don't need to watch this movie <laughs> i don't like kids i don't the, like that movie the crazy all. thing about that movie well a, a few things is um the guy the kid in the beginning who has sex the the boy he shows up he's in storytelling he's the guy with cerebral palsy yeah. <laughs> right which when i realized that's like oh yeah that's perfect for him because he's kind of a uh a annoying shithead <laughs> and in he shows up in the Heart She Holler, the Adult Swim series, as a creepy priest. What? Oh. Yeah, I remember that show. Uh, I don't like his face. I, <laughs> I don't like his face. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, it's not. Yeah, that's a, a really uncomfortable era of filmmaking. Yeah. L- the Larry Clark era. And that that <laughs> gave way to Just, Harmony Corinne, for better yep. or worse. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I'd say probably, probably it, more for worse than better. But hey, I like bikinis, so like. <laughs> Spring breakers. Yeah. Bikinis are nice. I'm not really talking about the movie though. No. Uh. Um. So uh. I, uh. Uh, Joel, did, so was there, in your opinion, too much uh, philosophy, poetry talk in this one, or was it uh, tolerable compared to like other ones we've covered? Well, that's another reason that made it feel kind of generic and in a great way, thank God, is that while well, we do catch snippets of them having their conversations, and it's emphasized that one of the reasons why they became such fast friends is because each would listen to each other until they were done speaking and then reply or whatever else. And they both found it very interesting. And I was just like, when is the scene from my night at mods about to be happening where they're sitting at a cafe and I have to hear him. I hear, have to hear them discuss philosophy and philosophy within a religious context. And it's just, ah. but 
Can you I mean, still most... a, uh, can you still call yourself a Christian and practice mathematics? <laughs> but for but for fifteen whole minutes? <laughs> no, I think uh... is 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 that is that uh, an actual conversation that happened in one yes, of these films? It is. I I mean, uh, in that movie, the guy is like a devout Catholic who yeah, also my, my, my really likes mods. philosophy, uh, and his friend is just kind of a shit talker. Like, <laughs> really, you hold two different beliefs at the same time? Hmm. Yeah, John Louis plays a devout Catholic, and uh, he has a friend who's like a atheist communist, but they're still best friends. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, those I can't imagine just hanging out and watching. I've had too many of those conversations in my life, and uh, they're not fun to be in necessarily. If the person's antagonistic. Yeah that you're conversing with so i, I wouldn't want to just experience that again as entertainment <laughs> yeah uh but uh like with the philosophy talk um for i actually kind of knew what they were talking about at one point because one mm. of them mentions baudelaire uh and i only know who he is because the new tyler tyler creator album his tyler's new persona cause he kind of changes the character and persona per album is tyler baudelaire based off of the philosopher poet guy Baudelaire yeah yeah so I, I felt I felt pretty smart because I listened to hip-hop for once <laughs> like oh I know I know who that is well that's pretty cool I, I haven't heard that one but like yeah but, that, but that that's Tyler's conversation that makes but, her jump in the river oh yeah. wow <laughs> but that Tyler's bringing that mm-hmm. to hip-hop where so much other hip-hop isn't that's pretty yeah, nice. There's a lot of good leftist hip hop out there that's like really into talking about like, uh, like Marxism and socialism and being like this. Uh, it's like Port was super overly political in ways that's uh, more of it should be going on right now too. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because you don't like hip hop, right? I recommend the rapper Geis Corvera. He has had a new, has, I think his first album came out a few months ago, and it, I listen to it like at least once a week still. It's, yeah, it's great. My favorite song is, and this is not ironic. He's being serious. I personally would not have released John McCain. Oh, like he, from uh, from okay. the war. Yes, from from <laughs> from the POW. Yes. That's. I mean, I don't think they 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 wanted to. I think they. <laughs> Like wow. he, he's like a, a hard, like a true blue communist, and it, it, he does not hold back his opinions at all. But it's, uh, it's also still very approachable. Yes, the idea of a respectable pope. Military service being a part of someone's reputation, especially when their actions as a leader show that they don't exactly have what you would think to be honor from 
your life experiences. What? I, I'm sorry. What were we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Sound like we were going somewhere, and then I lost it myself. Yeah. Tyler, Tyler Crater, Charles Baudelaire. New, new album was really good. We were rapping. Baudelaire made you feel smart. Yeah, there you go. Very smart. good. Uh, like when I listen old, they might be Giants tracks, and now I go, oh, that's what they were talking about. Hey, LB. Hey. Say it. <laughs> say what? Whatever you call me when I say something about they might be Giants. Uh, I usually call you a nerd. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah, you're a nerd, but I'm fine. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm actually not a nerd. I'm a, I'm a dork or a goober. Mm-hmm. Which is totally different than a nerd. I don't have to be smart. We were watching to be those. Um, the movie Parents mm-hmm. the other night. Yep. And uh, Andrew was all nerding out because he thinks no, the wasn't. boy in Parents I just looks said, like John Linnell. That's all I said. That's not nerding out. That was true. But then you, I made a tweet about freak- it. You were like freaking out. You were like foaming at the mouth. That's <laughs> not true. I made a tweet. That's it. <laughs> I used the new tweet function where you can post a picture and a gif so that's oh. what i did oh. mm-hmm. yeah he does look like a little john linnell though anyway. so you admit no <laughs> i do i do admit it <laughs> yeah uh, i concede yeah the uh, you guys were mentioned earlier about the west anderson qualities and like the, the west anderson yeah. stuff that stuck out to me was like the giant hourglass that was like such like it should be an annoying, quirky detail, but I don't. But like, it doesn't mm. feel annoying in the movie somehow. Well, he he doesn't. I don't think he frames it in any special kind of way. He just walks up to it. and She goes, "What's that?" He goes, "When that stands there, it's done. Time. I go to bed or whatever." You see that clock? Like, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, there's no framing it center. You know, wide angle lens nothing yeah speaking of clocks a detail that i really enjoyed or i got me tickled was the beginning montage where it shows jules and jim going after all the uh, these different women and uh, they go to a prostitute and it shows her lift her skirt and she has a wristwatch around her ankle mm. it's funny i thought that was cute uh, I wonder if that has, if that's a, sorry, if this is crude, a position joke. I think so. Where I'm she's like, sure. in the middle of something, her yeah. legs near her face, and she's like, oh, time's up. Well, I was thinking it would be the, you know, the leg by his face. Oh. And right. like, so he could keep an eye on the time. Okay. But so yeah, he, oh, way. it's a courtesy for him. All right. Yeah. I yeah, see. Yeah. yeah. I see. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, like the the whole opening, I I I thought this was gonna be this like a a like a uh, kind of a dry romance, and I thought Jules was would be the woman in the movie, and like and I didn't expect like the opening was like funnier and louder like. It is a, the way it opens feels like four hundred blows, but when the fun parts of that movie when they're like they're being goofy kids, and the whole opening of this movie first section is just them being like like goofy young men, 
and it's like and you have this bombastic music and it's like there are actual like jokes and like funny moments mm-hmm. slideshow and see uh like yeah, the part you, I you thought you was funny wanted was to bone that statue yeah. <laughs> and, like the part that like really I thought was really funny was when the anarchists are painting on the <laughs> on the on the Teresa uh, we're out of paint. <laughs> yeah, smack. And then, like, she, and then Therese like just joins the guys, and then she just hangs out with them for a while. Maybe, maybe. That, that's who I thought the show was going to be about. Is her? Yep. Yeah. And then, like having to reveal like when she just leaves them for another guy like was also really funny. Just to be like, oh, this is just like I don't know, like it's goofy, it's goofier than, than I expected it to be. Yep. Yep. And then she shows up. That's I actually liked all of her stuff where she just doesn't stop talking and they they're ignoring her. He's ignoring her, saying hi to all these guys. Everybody who comes by and she's just yammering on and then she turns and leaves. <laughs> and she's not bugged by being ignored. It's it's a fun scene. Yeah, like like uh, cuz um like I think all that happens is he says, "Oh, how have you been doing?" and she just talks for like 5 minutes straight. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty funny, and it's like uh, this, like the, the the filmmaking, like in the fun part, is like this very like bombastic. It feels like kind of like fl- like Fellini ish, Fellini esque, I guess. Uh, with like that with the music and just like kind of like the more like body or sex humor, but like not too not like body in Italian way, like body for like uh, uh for like. French New Wave kind of way, because like they never get too crass, but this is like the most crass like sex humor that I've really seen in a one so far. <coughs> but, uh, yeah. Which so which I, part are you talking about? Just like the 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 prostitute the sex worker with like the the uh, um watch on her on her leg. Right. Okay. Yeah, like I think I'm having it. a hard time separating because every Italian movie we watch basically women with their uh, stockings pulled up to their thigh for some reason all bending in front of each other wait was that no oh, sorry that was a video I was watching on YouTube but <laughs> there's a lot of sexiness going on in those Italian movies and yeah the Italians yeah. love like this like body crash sex humor and the French seem to be a bit more reserved they still like sex but they like it in a different way or at least showing it in a different way. Yep. I get. I mean, from the from the movies we've seen, based on the men that are in those movies, I think a lot of their sex is not as erotic as as, people, as they would think that it wanted to be. Usually, a lot of men thrusting and then leaving. I'm talking about the French or Italians. No, I'm talking about the French. Oh, okay. Oh, Italians is all passion. Yeah, yeah. it's it's pa- passion and goofball. They're they're sex comedies, um, but sounds like a good yeah, duo. Yeah. Passion and goofball. That's that's so, me. This is me and LB actually. Uh, so. <laughs> which one's which? <laughs> we interchange. Uh, it all depends. You want to start solving crimes together? Yes, passion and goofball. So, uh, 
uh, would uh, well, Elby and Andrew, ha what other have you guys seen any um like uh, have you seen some Godar? Have you seen some Trufo? Have you seen any Agnes Varda? Or I have not. I've only really seen uh, Cleo. Like I haven't really explored much Agnes, so. Okay. Uh. That w that was on HBO that you saw that I do believe. Yeah. Their Criterion selection. I understand HBO. the importance of Agnes, <laughs> but I just haven't made it around. Yeah, it's not like it's not a content. Or you're you're fine. Everything's <laughs> everything's okay. I'm just curious, like. <laughs> Yeah. She is the, like the one woman who is directing stuff, and uh, she can't tell Ackerman. Uh, I think there was another woman who directed a couple of short films. I can't remember Wait, her name. When? What are you talking about? In the during like the sixties period, there's a there's another woman who was directing. What about I, Chantel Ackerman? What what period is she doing stuff? I'd say seventies. Like I'm talking like first wave of like the like french new wave like 50s like 50s oh. 60s era okay i can't remember who it is but i think there was like who there was another woman who was who was around who didn't who didn't make uh as big a splash who was like there already temporarily but uh no yeah so uh i'm all uh uh uh, Grumps, uh, are you two going to watch more French New Wave? Are you more open to it now? I think we still have some that we haven't watched. So yeah, um, as far as owning them, <laughs> I'm I'm not sure. Um, open to watching more. I want stuff that won't put me to sleep. Uh, this didn't put me to sleep. Um, but uh, like I said, I'm dyslexic, so if it's fast dialogue happening, it's going to be harder for me. Um, I kind of think that was on purpose, too, because, like, going through their youth, it, it does kind of just all go by fast. And then once we hit the adulthood period, we spend, like, several actual days all in a row together with them. And mm -hmm. then some time passes. Like, the subtitles mm -hmm. get substantially slower. Yeah. I'm I'm open to it, you know. I I I just have to be in the mood, and lately I'm just not in the mood for French New Wave type of things. But that you know. Well, Spencer, does, does Booga want Booga has have opinions? Say, say about it. Is he? Yep. Listen to that boy. Is, does he think yeah. Breathless isn't boring? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Booga's uh, much more cultured than we are. He's contrarian. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm glad I finally watched this. Uh, it's, it's, uh, tr they're a better Trufo, in my opinion. Uh, I get why this is a, a classic and one that's, like, considered one of the all time greats, but. I also won't say it, but, but there are definitely better Truffaut movies out there and French movies of this time period out there like that are better than this one. But uh, it still was definitely worth definitely worth watching. I I haven't been disappointed by Truffaut yet. There, yeah, I, I, <coughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, J Dog, did you? Uh, would you say this is a a good one? 
I kind of feel like we found like the perfect French New Wave movie to hand to somebody that's like, I don't want to see anything like two or three things <laughs> like they would know what that was, but you know what I mean? Something that's not going to yeah. follow a conventional narrative. Because like, like this, Breathless, this is... like Breathless Night is like very dated and I, I think it's very dated personally. Uh, like it, it was cool at that time, but I think that time has passed. And I think yeah. like this has aged better compared to Breathless. Yeah. Do you think this is a good like starter kit for a French New Wave? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, we should come up with a four movie thing, like four different movies that are the starter kit, because we're experts now. Yeah, and mm-hmm. for Godard, My Life to Live would, is a one to watch. Yep. Maybe Alphaville, because it's kind of like the one nope. sci-fi movie. Nope, 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 nope. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm not into Alphaville. I find it to be rather clunky. I've, I found it very entertaining, but like I was looking at it as a sci-fi. Now, if I was looking at it as a French New Wave movie, I'd be like, eh. Eddie Constantine, really? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I love the name Eddie Constantine. That's a great name. It's an interesting character, too, but like I don't like the execution. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we, we can, uh, actually, that's a good thing to talk about in the last, last episode when we get to that, like, what the good starter ones are. Yeah, so, yep. uh, yeah, Ellie and Andrew, thank you for, uh, coming on and, you know, uh, talking about this. And, uh, yeah, Jules, yeah, Jules and Jim is available in a lot of places. It's, uh, yeah, it's one of the ones that's very easy to find. If you haven't, Yep. I don't think you can mm-hmm. spoil it. I think like a lot of French New Wave, you can't really spoil. They're not those kinds of movies. At least I think you I could can. spoil happiness. Happiness. Oh yeah, definitely. Going to happy Varda film happiness, knowing nothing. And uh, yeah, but like for the most part, like Breathless, who, who cares? Like you don't need it. You can be spoiled. It's like that's not that's not the point. But yeah, so uh, yeah, so the year nineteen sixty two. Uh, Andrew, LB, whoever, which one of you go first? LB, go first. <laughs> okay, um, my, I have a couple. Um, one is not necessarily the film, but the score of the film. So, um, I'm going to say Experiment in Terror, which is, you know, just a crime caper movie. But the score is by Henry Mancini, and uh, it's one of those fun, sort of Exotica-influenced Henry Mancini scores, you know? It's a Blake Edwards movie, so of course they work together a lot, but um, it's one of those scores that you can put on during uh, your Halloween party, and it's cute (laughs) and fun. It's like a cocktail party. So, uh, that's a recommendation I have. Uh, the second one is a an animated feature uh, by the uh, animation company UPA. Uh, it's called Gay Paris. It's an animated musical about cats in Paris. Um, Judy Garland's in it. Robert Goulet's in it. It was his, his first feature film. But um, cool trivia about Gay Paris 
is well i guess i'm saying it puree like food it's really it's purry purry sorry because <laughs> it's cats but um chuck jones who uh you know is a famous animator worked on looney tunes merry melodies like all those things uh he was moonlighting for upa working on this film and uh he got fired from the looney tunes because they didn't want him uh working for anywhere else so that movie is what uh ended chuck jones mm. warner brothers as far as uh working on Bugs Bunny and stuff like that. But it's it's cool. You know, UPA is a really cool animation studio from back in the day. Like, if you like... Uh, if you uh, like that style where it's uh, kind of... Uh, how, do you, how do you describe it, Andrew? Well, it's very flat, um, but expressionistic. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't do a lot of shading. Um, it's difficult, actually, back then to do a lot of shading but they did the backgrounds are very um somewhat abstract sometimes uh they did mr magoo the original mm-hmm. mr magoo and a bunch of other stuff they did a lot of work doing um kind of infographic little movies that tell you about how infrastructure works stuff like that so educational i guess or or um uh, industrial film so industry films that tell you about you know how highways and stuff like that work they did a lot of that sort of thing too um gerald boing boing gerald mick boing boing that's another one that they did uh it's they're good mm-hmm. they're strange too so mm-hmm. i don't know if that's a good description <laughs> it's better than a, what i would do so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You have another? No, that was it. Okay. Uh, let me see. Let's go French. La Jette. Yep. It's sci-fi. <laughs> it's only 28 minutes, but it is the inspiration for 12 Monkeys. That's why it's really important. So. It's it's one of the one of my favorite shorts of all time, and not just because of the science fiction relation like i really do love that it's all photographs and it's not really uh like people moving around yeah calling it a movie is kind of generous generous but like that slideshow yeah um i saw that a long time ago ah what else what else i have a few others here's here's an outlier um kid galahad Elvis yeah. Presley, Kid Galahad. That's the boxing one where he goes in as a for a job as a mechanic, and then they give him that, and then they find out that he can box. And there's this uh, boxing coach who's a real jerk. But anyway, it's a good movie. That one is. I could have said Girls, 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 and that movie's stupid. That's not a good Elvis movie. Yeah, up until you guys did that Elvis rewatch, I thought he made like one movie. Oh jeez! <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, he he had like forty movies. Yeah. He had a lot of yeah, movies. Elvis was one of those um, cultural things where it's like, my parents didn't didn't expose me to it. They were like, yeah, yeah, who cares? And they they so I oh. never really played Elvis. So like I kind of thought it was like, oh, he did one movie and got fat and whatever, and 
That's it. <laughs> no way. <laughs> That's his career. No way. It was a. You can watch his movies and progressively throughout each film successively see him gain weight. Yeah. Hmm. If you watch yeah. them in order, which especially is what we the, tried to do. The beach, of. the beach movies, especially because like he's more and more covered. Hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like he'll wear the little short trunks and go shirtless early on, and then later he's still in shorts but he's wearing a jacket now yeah because he's a, a speedboat <laughs> yeah. driver and he's uh it's that's in the late 60s you know yeah so, it's interesting okay uh that's it for you uh uh old man andrew yeah i mean there's a couple more but whatever like manchurian candidate okay throw that out there it's tried and true and awesome it's really well done okay Manchurian Candidate. Yeah, the remake with Denzel. Got it. Yep. I like both, actually. <laughs> John Frankenheimer and uh, the guy who did Silence of the Lambs. Forget his name. Oh, Ted. Jonathan no. Demi. Jonathan Lemmy. Jonathan Demi. Ted yeah. Levine. Ted, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Behind the camera wearing that robe. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So. Then he goes on to do Monk. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Mary was going through Monk, and every time he'd be on screen, I'd be like, "Is she a big fat person?" Oh my god! <laughs> they say that in one of the episodes. It's not terrible. And uh, it reached a point where she was like, "Shut the fuck up! Don't don't like don't say anything." When when he'd show up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's good to know that I'm not the only annoying person here. Well, Andrew is more like Karen Dukan. <laughs> yeah. Karen yeah. Candy cane. Yep. <laughs> I love my, it. My current thing to annoy Mary is to, um, from Breath of the Wild, say what Beetle says. He's a salesman. Go, yeah, yeah. Or, hi. Because that's, that's oh. a sound bite. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, Thank you. Oh, that's right. Wind Waker. Yeah, yeah. Uh,. Is when, like, I, I love Beetle. I like Beetle sound bites from Wind Waker more than uh, every other game. But uh, he look, his best design is in Breath of the Guys are nerds. Yeah, my favorite Zelda characters are the weird side characters who are just like have like weird sound bites and not Link or anyone like that. All right, so uh, yeah, uh, I'll I'll be quick with mine. I have two books. One uh. Uh, and two movies. Uh, the two books are fast. One is A Clockwork Orange. It's my favorite book of all time. Uh, it changed how I view life, and it's changed like everything about uh, like er everything about me. And uh, it's a great book. I don't like the movie because the book is so close. I just can't. I just can't get past like how important it is. So like, I I can't sit through that movie anymore. Other book, Burning Grass by. Cyprian Quincy. Uh, he is a great Nigerian uh, novelist. All his books are very short, which is a big plus because I can't focus on books like I used to. And uh, all his books just, I think, are really good. Uh, yeah, and you can find it for cheap on Amazon and shit now. So, Burning Grass by Cyprian Quincy and A Clockwork Orange. And my movies are Harakiri, Stars Nakadai. The greatest actor alive. Uh, it might be the greatest samurai movie ever made. Uh, Harikiri is a classic for a reason. 
and uh, uh, hashtag not gonna die forever uh, and Mama Roma the Pasolini movie which is his, I think the second movie he made and it's the last like standard plot character movie he made because after that he kind of was like you know fuck plot and characters I just want to do like weird artsy stuff and Pomeroma is just like about Italy after World War Two, and kind of looking at looking at like, well, what happened to Italy? Like, what wh what are we doing anymore? And uh, it's uh, it's great. It's a good starter for Pasolini for his ideas, and uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, Mamaroma. I don't. I don't got shit. Everything we've talked about, everything we've done, 1962 wouldn't exist in my film, you know, knowledge if it wasn't for the podcast we've been doing. But let me throw up some of the favorites here. Uh, no, we already talked about that. Uh, well, we already talked about that. Uh, it, it, I don't think the listeners care. Arikari. Monorama. Okay, you know what? The one that you're not going to mention? Yeah. Leclis. Oh, the one I, the, the one Antonioni I like. The Mi Mi Michelangelo Antonioni movie uh, that I, yeah, I freaking really enjoyed it. And, but this, I don't know if this was the first Antonioni movie we watched, but that was the start of Spencer being like, this doesn't seem like it's for me. And then, <laughs> and then eventually concluding that like, yeah, I, I don't need to watch any more of this director. That was the third one we watched? Oh really? Yes, third one because it was <laughs> the Austin Powers one blow up, blow yes blow up. Oh yes, yep. Yeah, okay. And Fuck then that movie. Laventura. Fuck that movie, <laughs> Laventura. Blow up sucks. Wait, what do you say? Laventura. Yep. No. Yeah. Um. No, Ellie. What did you say? No. Sh I said blow up sucks. Oh, okay, someone else. Hey, right, we got two people. Okay, you guys go hang out together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Eclipse, pretty good. Yeah, in fact, I wasn't even thinking of the wrong movie. Eclipse is fine. I was thinking about the one you really hate, Laventer. Yeah, that movie's terrible. <sighs> in your opinion, that movie is terrible. But in, in honest God's truth, it's... Uh, wait, what happens in the Eclipse? Eclipse. Uh, uh, that's the one about like ha uh, oh. like politics and has the Africa segment where Monica Vitti is in blackface and that really crazy scene about like Italy and how like they're colonizing past and shit. Remember that part? No, that movie was boring. That's the one <laughs> I didn't like. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't know. It's the one with the, Elaine Delon. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at a picture of it. and still not ringing any damn bells, damn it. Let's see. So, yeah, we did. I mean, both of Yojimbo and Sanjuro, right, came out this year also. Yeah. Was it? <sighs> Sanjiro came out this year, which is fine. It's a, it's a, it's a good enough sequel to Yojimbo, but not nearly as good as Yojimbo, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. So, um, 
uh, Grumps, uh, uh, LB, and uh, young man Andrew. I'll, I'll, I'll stop with the old yes, man. Thank you. Make, make you feel <laughs> better. I don't care. <laughs> um. I feel okay. I mean, I just got to shave and then all the white hair goes away. My be- I got a white beard. My beard, my beard is getting white. I like it. Yeah. I look distinguished for a 31-year-old with a, a green <laughs> beard. Right. Yeah, uh, what, what, do you, what are you two doing? Do you guys have a website or something? Oh, oh, you're throwing it to us for that. Yes, grumpire.com. Like umpire, but with a G. And an R. Yeah, there you go. Guys, <laughs> I don't know how to spell, apparently. Grump. Ire. Yep. The ire of the grumps. Any, anything coming out in the next month or so? We recorded a new podcast that should be out pretty soon. We, well, we recorded, actually we recorded t- a, couple a couple of them. So, so by um, the time, yeah, so they might be on the way. Um, let's let's say the first of each. Uh, one of them is no to once upon a time. In Hollywood, the other one is no to Die Hard. Die Hard. Yeah. So that's gonna be our Christmas episode, probably. Or close. uh, Yeah, close to Christmas. Holiday. Holiday. Holiday Something. Wait, wait. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. (laughs) This is the first I've ever heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's. It's not a Halloween movie. I'll tell you that. Depends on how you watch it. (laughs) (laughs) If it's upside down, yes, you're correct. If you watch, turn the TV upside down Uh and douse it with some goat blood. Uh, The television. uh, Other than that, you know, just putting articles up when they come in. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, Yeah. uh, At Grumpire Online, that's the Twitter handle. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I contribute. Uh, I was going to say, I, I think that's a subtle jab from your editors there, Spencer. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I have one thing I, I need to finish, but school got in the way right now. So, uh, yeah. Yes. Excuses, School's excuses. lame. Who needs that? <laughs> <laughs> For real. Yeah, but uh, I, I have two things in the next action roundup. Uh, Saloon. Awesome. And After Blue, Dirty Paradise is a sci-fi thing that came out via uh, Vinegar Syndrome that I pre-ordered. I don't know what it is, but I want to write about it, so yeah, that's why I picked <laughs> it, because I pre-ordered and realized I, I, I need to justify this, this purchase. Yes. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, And I have a mystery piece that uh, will be, we'll get done hopefully in the future. Okay. Uh, oh, and yeah, Joel. What do you, what what are you doing? Were we on a podcast about mustaches recently? Well, yes. Uh, Spencer and I joined a, the. What is the name of the host of Mustachio Podcastio? Daniel Segura. Daniel Segura, and discussed a movie that is very dear to Spencer's heart. It is called War. It stars Jet Li and Jason Statham. No, wait. Uh, sorry. 
This one is from 2019 <laughs> and is an Indian action movie. And uh, let, let me just say that my relationship with Indian movies so far has not been stellar. But this movie, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it takes a lot of the best stuff from the American Hollywood action movies and then throws in so much of this like amazing Indian <laughs> Indian way of filmmaking like where there there's not really like physical love in there but the people with their smoldering eyes looking at each other and of course a couple of dance song numbers and uh, I highly recommend that and also the episode where I feel bad the <laughs> because the um the host said, "Like eh, you guys aren't laughing at my jokes, so you know made a made an easy comment, and it's like it's because it was really early in the morning for me. I don't. <laughs> it's not not that I didn't think you were funny. <laughs> you, should, you should let them know to listen to this. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so never tell him of my secret anyway. shame. I think Daniel right. would be fine. In fairness, okay. he was hungover at the time, also. Ah, there we go. Yeah." That's true. That's what we were saying. <laughs> Besides that, arbitrary indiscriminate movie podcast, slowly spitting out episodes. I'm getting the episode on uh, Disney's Pinocchio, and not the not the one that just came out. I'm talking about the OG one with the amazing animation and children who turn into donkeys. Oh, so there's a demon in a two for one frame. That's really scary. Still. Yep. Is that a wait? Is that a joke? I don't know. No. I know. I I'm very familiar with it. I'm so familiar with a lot of movies, but I decide not to see some, and sometimes I can't get my hands on them. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because I've heard things. I've heard things. Yeah, I've heard Anne Magnuson talk massive crap on it. That's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Or don't watch calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, explain it a little bit, LB. Okay, um, I just have a thing where I, I, it's a pet peeve, where uh, if I look at someone's Halloween specific watch list for you know, and they put it on Letterboxd or you know, whatever. And, and it's it usually starts in October or or late September. Somebody yeah. puts this up. Yeah. Um, when they put things on these watch lists that are not like supernatural in some way, you know, that means like ghosts, possessions, demons, 
witches, goblins, um, body swaps, you know, whatever. Something that is supernatural. Um, or something that is not supernatural, I mean, yes. on their watch list. It's a pet peeve for me because I'm like, that is not Halloween. Like, you're not doing it right because, you know, Halloween is the time in which the, the, do- the door between the realms is at its most thin or, you know, is open. Um, so, you know, if you're going to watch Maniac or some slasher like that, on Halloween, you're doing it wrong, man. Like this now, you can watch some Friday the Thirteenth movies. You yeah, cannot yeah, watch if, them if, all. If they have a supernatural element, that's fine. I also make exception, of course, for things that take place on Halloween or take place like um, in a haunt, but, like, like Die Hard, a, do you al- park or something like that? Like, <laughs> like Die Hard, <laughs> like Die Hard. Yes. Do you allow for <laughs> alien abduction stories or alien sort of things? Aliens, yeah. Uh, just because there's tradition of um, outer space type movies being shown on Halloween, like uh, you know the War of the Worlds or um, it, things like that. It's a that's a tradition that I will uh, that I'm okay with. But if it's just like a people monster or like a, a virus or um, you know that that kind of like creature feature type of thing that's just that's you know not it's just science fiction maybe it's not really supernatural I, it's it doesn't belong on your watch list so to <laughs> just you know stir the pot a little bit and and um, make fun of people's watch lists we we made a calendar of. Uh, movies that you should not be watching during the Halloween season, or or season. movies to watch if you're missing the point. Yeah, so we called it 31 Days of Missing the Point of Halloween. It's like real simple, but um, Eyes Without a Face is on that list. Like nothing on this list. Like I'm not saying anything like disparaging about any of the films that were chosen to be on this list because some of them are really great. I love Eyes Without a Face. You know, um, I love what sisters i don't know i wouldn't say i love it but i'm just thinking of things but so things that are on this list that doesn't mean that they're bad or wrong or anything it's just that they don't belong during halloween time oh serious (laughs) stuff (laughs) i'm a i'm a filthy uh i guess halloween atheist because to me it's just like i just watch what i feel like watching because you know, yeah, I, I don't abide by it. it's it's Halloween season, so horror movies. It's like I don't know if I want to watch yeah. an action movie right now. I'm just gonna do that. I don't. If you want to watch Jules and Jim right now, yeah. What about Night and Fog? Just do That's it. a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Nothing supernatural about that. It's supernatural. It's what pirate ghosts? Oh. No, you're thinking that's of just, The Fog. It's just The Fog. I'm talking about... He said Night and Night and Fog, fog. which is a Holocaust documentary. Oh, I misheard you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it also has pirates, like, oddly what? enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yes, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought you were being facetious. I'm sorry. Well, I was, but also... <laughs> in a different way. <laughs> Actually, by time Halloween more rolls around. Hmm? I think it's. Hello? I can hear you. 
I can't hear anybody else if anybody else is talking. I can hear you, Andrew. Somebody said Spencer, I think you were responding to hearing my niece talking. So. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh. Um. I forgot. Uh, yeah, so. I guess that's some edit stuff right there. Yeah. There's something to edit. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, this comes out probably. Actually, this will come. I think we'll be done releasing stuff in November. So, this is the last time both of you will be on uh, the uh, French New Wave season. So, uh. Okay, yeah. Uh, Aww. Yeah. And, uh. Cry, cry, cry. It's been so great, Spencer. Don't worry, you'll be back next season. Thank you so much. It's so hard to say goodbye to French New Wave. I've narrowed down. uh, (laughs) Well, the the big concern for next season was what uh, what do I do for a Richard Gere movie? And I kind of found a couple. So. It's good to know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I want want to do at least two Richard Gere because I found two that will fit uh, the theme. What sort of, kind of, sort of. He's playing a. Are you good with naming the theme yet, oh. or no? It's a surprise. Uh, Almodovar. Almodovar. Oh, that's right. Oh, right, 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 right. You already. You we already figured that. Yeah. yeah right. So yeah, it'll be American Gigolo and Unfaithful because those are like feel like stuff Almodovar would be into, and feels kind of similar to his sensibility. Hmm. Slash, I wanted. I need to keep up this this Richard Gear thing like it's just become such a staple every season i have to do it in the in the in this in the last season has one picked out because it fits the theme perfectly already so we so we, we are good for richard gear for all five for the whole thing because after five i'm done good what, what's going on now we're covered for richard gear for every season <coughs> Because oh, okay. there's there's an endpoint to the podcast. It's gonna end. What? After after season five, it's, I'm done doing this. Oh, okay. Oh, thanks for letting me know. Oh well, you can you can take over <laughs> after season five. Eh, I, I barely have the ability to do the ones that I'm already doing. I might start no, something. I know this story all too well. <laughs> <laughs> I went through this uh, last year and the year before. I like having a, a end date of like I don't want to do this forever. I just want to like have like a set amount of time just so I can just feel better about it. I don't want a thing that goes on for forever and ever <laughs> with no clear end date that doesn't sit well with me. All right, quitter. I'm not quitting podcast. I'm just quitting the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. We're on Twitter and shit. Uh, Andrew's <laughs> doing a logo for next season. I actually need to finalize details on stuff I actually want to do. I have too many ideas yep. on, on on what I want it to be. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and uh, this will be yeah the uh, next after this is the 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 finale episode shoots a piano player the film and then a wrap up and then wait a few months and then they'll be back. I think. Or maybe even half a year. I don't know yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, see? He's uh, also upset about it. <laughs> he was very upset. Yeah. All right. 
thanks for uh grumps thanks for coming on j dog you know, you're a uh you're cool i guess you can, you can turn it off now <laughs> You're the jewels to my gym. That's what you should have damn said. The show can be found on Twitter at PianoPlayerPod. Our email is still highlowpod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fopp. And our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art, sarahkathleenroberts.com. And thank you for listening.